Welcome to The Emily Osmond Show. I'm your host, Emily Osmond, an online marketing educator, leader of an incredible global community of female entrepreneurs and a content creator based in Melbourne, Australia. This show is designed to bring you practical strategies and candid real stories of entrepreneurs to help you make marketing, mindset and money your superpowers. Let's get into the show. I'm uh, taking you behind the scenes of my first 12 months of being full-time in my business from February 2015 to 2016 and sharing the biggest struggles I had, how I attracted clients, what work I actually did, what I spent and what on and so much more. And thank you to everyone as well that submitted questions for this one. So those from my coaching group, the Modern Marketing Collective, and those that have submitted questions as well from Instagram. All right, how about we get into this? So some of the first questions were about how I built the courage up to leave my full-time corporate gig. I don't even see it really as having courage to do it, although I know that it, I guess it was, but for me, it was just, I couldn't not do it. So I'd been in the full-time position for only 18 months, and that's actually the longest that I've ever worked for someone else is 18 months. And over that time, I've always had other clients. I've always had kind of like my own clients or been doing contract work, even during that full-time period. So if I wind back the clock a little bit, I did my master's in communications. And during that time, I moved back to Ballarat. I, I had been living in Melbourne, but I moved back to Ballarat and I just did work experience everywhere I could. So I did work experience at the ABC there, at the TV network, radio network, newspaper, radio everywhere. And from that, I picked up quite a lot of different jobs and they were all contract jobs. So I would produce for the Monday news. I'd go in on the Sunday at the ABC and produce for the Monday news. I'd produce for one of the Saturday shows. I would do fill in work on the radio as the newsreader. I'd do some video presenting work. And I just was like, I love this so much. You can kind of choose your hours. It's it's so, so much diversity. It's so interesting. All these different projects. And I absolutely loved it. Through doing that work, I met this amazing lady and uh, she ran her own business and she had two kids. She brought me on as a contractor for her and her business. And she was a public relations expert. So I would go around to her house sometimes, would work at her kitchen table, would work on strategy and press releases. And that kind of opened my eyes up to what it would look like, I guess, running my own business and being able to do that from home. And that had always then, I guess, been what I wanted to do. I was like, right, I love that. She can just like work around her family. That's really, really appealing to me. Anyway, through her, I actually then got a contract job at the local tourism body. And I started that as a contractor. Then it went up to a part-time position and then it went up to the full-time position. And I was managing the social media, uh, the digital marketing, the email marketing, and really learning a lot on the job there too, which was awesome. And so I was in that position for about full-time, just under 18 months, I think it was. So again, during that time, I had some of this other contract work still going on. 
And I had quite a lot of the local businesses because I was in the social media space and I was going out and it was great. Like there was a team of us and we would go out and visit the local tourism organizations, the local cafes, the local businesses and get to know them and understand their story and go take photo shoots. So we had great content for social media. So I was in a job that was quite public and I was doing a lot of networking as well. So I then started picking up some of my own clients and I had to be careful it wasn't a conflict of interest. But they were asking me, Emily, can you help me with uh, with some of my social media, some of my email marketing? So at the time, which I, I still do, I had the interiors blog called Get In My Home. And that was ranking really high on Google. And so I actually also had someone ring me up, a lovely lady who's an interior designer. She had found my blog and she liked my writing style and she rang me up and she said, can you write for me? Is that something that you do? Can you write my blog? And I'm like, yes, that's something I can do. And then she asked me, how much do you charge them per hour? And I was on the spot. So I just said, $50 an hour. And she said, okay, great. Let's get this started. So that as well was one of my first jobs that I took on. So I had a couple of these small, really small different contracts during that time as well in my first year in business. Oh, sorry. My, before I quit my job, I remember quite often getting really frustrated around the way that we did things in the business. And so we had this amazing like new cafe that had opened underneath the building that we worked in. And I would say things like, oh, how about we go do the meeting in the cafe and we'll just like take our work and we'll just like kind of brainstorm it out. I'll like, I don't even care. I'll buy everyone coffees, but how about we do that? And it would be quite like, oh, you know, we're not allowed to do that. I was like, why not? It's like, surely we can do that. Because of all these local businesses were really craving some help with their social media. I asked, can we put on some workshops for them? And again, it was like, no, that's not really what we do. So I was just kind of getting a little bit frustrated and there was stuff that I just thought would be really, really cool. I could see these businesses that were completely missing the mark. And I saw these other companies that were offering marketing services in my local area that were very old school. And I would look at the things that they were doing and I just felt really sad for the small businesses that were like paying and, and having this kind of help from these companies that really didn't have much idea or were quite outdated in their way of thinking when it came to marketing. So all these different things were going on. I had a few tiny little clients of my own and I would just love doing that work. So I'd do my work at my job and then in my lunch break before I got into the office and then pretty much every night after my nine to five finished, I would go home and work on my client work and I just absolutely loved it. So that was going on and that was a big sign for me. Then as well, I was getting frustrated at my job just around, well, why can't we do these things? And I was seeing this, like this clear gap in the market for someone that could offer really innovative current marketing solutions. So all of that kind of came together. So I had previously, it must have been about two months or one, no, only a month, I think, before I handed in my resignation, I had purchased my uh, a property and it was just me on my own. So I purchased that when I was paying my mortgage. And so I definitely had some outgoings happening. And I told my mom, I said, mom, look, I'm I think I'm going to resign from my job. And so you can imagine she was a little bit wary, but she's amazing. And she um, she's always very, very supportive. And she said, look, Emily, if you want to, I really think you need to go speak to my financial advisor. Just have the chat. 
And so I'm pretty sure I took a sick day and I'm, and the next day I'm like, right, I'll just go in there and I'll tell them what I'm doing. So I went in and I had my little notebook, no, like no Excel spreadsheet or anything like that. I had my little notebook and um, I had in there, I think like, okay, well, I'm getting from this interior designer client. I think I was getting $200 a month or so from her to write um, some blogs for her. And then another client, I think I was getting another 300 a month or something from them to do some vlogging for them. So not much at all. And he said to me, Emily, like you are not in a position to do this. The numbers do not add up, but I know that you're not going to listen to me anyway. So I wish you luck. And I'd like to chat to you about doing our marketing. (laughs) So I went back to mum and told her that and she's like, oh, typical. So I actually went in and and mum was pretty keen for me to ask to go part-time rather than just fully resign. So I went into my boss and I said to him or the CEO of the company, and I asked him, can I go part-time? And it was pretty much a straight out no. So the next day I went in and I handed in my resignation letter and uh, he said, good on you, like good on you for this is really gutsy of you. Good on you for doing this and going out on your own. Now, Something that really played in my favor there, and I'm trying to remember, I guess, the timeline of how it happened, but I remember that um, I answered the phone at my job and this must have been, I feel as though it was the week around when I was resigning and I'd maybe tried to go part-time or something. Anyway, I took this phone call and it was from someone from a local event ringing up because we were the tourism body. So she was ringing up and saying, look, I'm after someone that can help us manage our social media and our marketing for this event. And it's starting pretty much straight away. It's a three-month contract. It's this much money. I think I must have taken her number and then I think I went out of the office and I rang her back and I think, trying to remember, I have quite a bad memory, but I was like, look, it's Emily. We just spoke on the phone. I'm actually looking at resigning. I'm really, really interested in this. So we went and had a meeting. She was like, yep, you sound like you're a good person to take this on. And so that really gave me, I got that contract and it gave me a really good cushion when I left my job to then have that money. And I've got kind of the breakdown, but it was about a $12,000 contract. So you could imagine I was like, right, this is really, really good for me to be able to get that one. I hope that helps answer in a roundabout way, a little bit about how it happened, why I did it and answer that first question about how I built up the courage to leave my corporate gig. So someone else asked, did I have a plan B? I didn't really have a plan B, but I just thought, okay, if it doesn't, if this doesn't work and I can't make enough money, then I will just move in with mum and rent out my place. I wanted to do it so much that I just, I guess I was willing to have to sell my house or to have to like move back in with my mum, which I know is a very privileged position to be in that I had that option too. But I was like, right, if I have to, I'll move in with mum and I'll just lease out my um, house that I've bought or, but that was the thing. I just really wanted to do it. And I just thought, right, I'll just make this work however I can. All right. A great question there from Monique. So she asked whether niching is absolutely necessary. When I started out and in that first year in business, and to be honest with you, in the first couple of years, I said yes to pretty much everything. And I did pretty much everything. So I was in a, or I still am really in an industry that is quite broad. So it's marketing. And so we had a lot of different people asking or um, businesses, I should say, asking for different types of marketing things. 
I had people asking, can you do my social media? Can you do my blog writing? And I was like, well, I do it for me and I've done it for the company I worked for. So sure, I can do that. And then um, people started asking me for, Emily, can you do branding work? And I think it was because I had, I have like a bit of a visual eye. I was very active on Instagram and I had that all kind of looking really nice. And I would post some packaging that I really liked. I'd post some brands that I really liked. So I remember I had someone say, Emily, do you do branding? And I just said, yes. I've never studied graphic design, but I thought, you know, I don't have to do the branding. Let let me go find a great designer. And as we know, there are so many great designers. So again, I think that was a contact through Instagram. I put a post out saying I'm looking for it for a graphic designer. And I had the beautiful girl, lady, I should say, reach out. And we still work together today. So shout out to Demi. I just worked with Demi as a subcontractor. So we would start on taking branding work and then Demi would give me a quote. I'd add on a little bit on top and um, we, we kicked that off. But I will say that I think it's totally okay when you're starting out in business to be quite wide in what you're offering and to say yes and to try different things because that allows you to know what you enjoy and what feels really in flow to you Like what feels easy, what feels fun, what feels enjoyable. And then also the things that don't feel as enjoyable. And even though maybe they pay really well, and I've got the breakdown as well, which I'm going to go through in terms of what I actually brought in under what type of services I offered. There was certainly some there that I was like, oh, this is such like an effort for me to do, but the money is really good. And you've got to be practical as well you got to have that money coming in because if you don't have money coming in, you don't have a business. But over time, when it comes to niching, you are going to figure out what you enjoy. You're going to figure out where the demand is and you're going to find that sweet spot. And then you can become kind of known as the go-to in your area, in the area that you work into, which is so, so powerful. Alrighty, let's head back to some of the questions I've had come in too. So one was, did you expect to have achieved more than you did in your first year or did you surpass that? And this is often the goal is like to make what you made in your job. And so I surpassed that in my first year in business. So I guess from that standpoint, I was really happy, but I didn't really have any expectations. I didn't have a business plan that I was following. I just, I guess, followed what people were asking me for and saying yes to that. Another one was, how did you stop getting distracted and from all the ideas that you had? I would say I I didn't necessarily get distracted too much. Or like when I did get distracted, I would just follow those things. Nowadays, I'm a lot more, I guess I'm a lot more focused in terms of what I'm working on. And again, you will get there and you will evolve over time. But in that first year, like I said, I think you have to be trying out all different things. But I think as well, you do have to look at focusing on things that are going to bring the money in for you too. So I think you've got to try and figure out what those are. All right, I think I'm now going to go through what I brought in and what I spent because I think that's going to answer a few of the questions as well. And then we can go to some um, some more questions. Like I mentioned in that first year in business, I had my interiors blog. And so I had companies reaching out to me asking to be on the blog. And so I would figure out in my head really, okay, well, maybe I'll give them a bit of a price point here. Not really sure what to charge. So that was the first like line item that I brought in was from my blog and that was $933. And to me, I felt like I was cheating. I felt like this is so easy. Write an article and have that on my blog and someone's going to pay me a few. And that was from two sponsored blog posts, I think, two or three. So it was like $300 or $400 each. 
or maybe a bit less. But anyway, so I was like, oh my God, that was so easy. And it kind of felt like I was cheating. And I guess we have this idea in our head as well that you have to work hard for money. And it's a bit of this, I guess, saying that goes around and you might've heard it from your elders and, and people, perhaps your parents that, you know, this idea that you have to work hard for money. And so I guess I just felt, oh, well, that was way too easy to make that money. I'm doing something wrong here. or I don't deserve that money. I need to go and find things that are harder for me or trickier. So that was an interesting thing. Okay, another revenue source was some branding work. So like I mentioned, we had people reaching out and asking us for logo creation and then started to ask me for packaging design. And I just said, yes, yes, yes. So we brought in 3,121 from branding work. Now remember, some of that was paid to my designer. And this covered some things like the logos, brand style guides, business cards, websites, packaging design. A lot of this came through some people just knowing me. So um, some contacts from my school, from college, and also from a business program that I joined, which I'm going to talk a little bit more about in the expenses side of things. Also, these breakdowns, I've got some other revenue from branding that's kind of in another bucket. So it's not kind of a really good breakdown. I've learned now in my accounting software how to do that a bit better. So the next one I've got there was from copywriting. This was, I think, the biggest revenue source. So this was $34,221. So that was from copywriting. Now I had a, I got, I would say lucky, but I also think that you create your own luck. From that 34,000, there was about 30,000 of that that came in from one company, and that was a university. They were looking for a copywriter to help them write their course descriptions. So I think it was like 80 course descriptions or something, like a long version and then a short version to go in all their marketing collateral and on their website. So they were getting them all rewritten. Now, I think this came from a referral. Someone that had kind of like seen me on social media and heard my name. And I think they referred me to this university. So it was a university in our local area. So they reached out and said, do you do copywriting? I said, yes, I do. And then they asked me for a quote. And I just thought, oh my God, how do I quote this? But I worked out like, okay, if I'm charging this much per hour, let's work out how many hours I think each of the, or how long I think each of those course descriptions will take me to write. And I put together that quote and over that first year, it ended up being about the $30,000. I did a couple of projects for them. And I think the first one was about $21,000 or so. And so I sent off that quote. And I remember when I got that email back and I was with Coden, my partner in Melbourne, and we'd been together only three months when I quit my job. But anyway, this was a little bit further down the track in that first year in business. And I remember clearly I was with him and I was just like, oh my God, they said yes to my quote. And I was just, I think we were actually out shopping and I'm like, right, I'm going shopping. (laughs) So I remember that being so, so exciting because that was a big, big chunk of money coming in for me. And again, that just propped my business up and that was really, really awesome. But having said that, and this was a question before about niching, there was not a lot of joy in that work. I could do it. I could do it well. I could do it pretty easily, but to me, it wasn't fulfilling. And that's when I really, it helped me realize that I just loved working with those small businesses. I just loved helping the small businesses, like, and really the owners of those small businesses learn how to do their own marketing. 
And I realized that was kind of what brought me the enjoyment rather than necessarily working on the bigger contracts for the the corporates and the larger organizations. Yeah, it's funny. My mum kind of says, I remember when you were doing, you know, that work, it was such a struggle for you. I'm like, I know. It's just like, come on, Emily, get the motivation to do it. Whereas I had no trouble getting motivated for the other type of work that I was doing. Anyway, so that was that one. And then a couple of the extra thousand dollars in that one was for some of the monthly newsletters I was writing and blog posts. Then I just, I've got a couple hundred dollars there in just miscellaneous things. Then I have in my general sales. So this was a mixture of some more of the branding work, some websites, some strategy work. This was about $37,000. Then another line item there I have was $21,395. So out of that $21,000, that included the $12,000 contract that I got right out the gate when I quit my job. So that was amazing for me. That was really, really helpful. Helped me pay my mortgage and my bills. So that was really, really good. And then more of that money was doing some PR for some other small businesses. And again, I got that from some networking and also from my, I mentioned how someone found me through my blog. I was active on social media and I know that's a question. So I'll get to some of them as well. Now, one of the questions I had was around pricing. And so it was really funny, actually, when I went back in and just looked at this one and this included some of the branding work we did for clients. And so I could see for the very first logo that we offered, I charged like $110 for it. So that was for a logo. We gave three options and were open to revisions. And that probably, I probably charged like 110 and probably my designer was charging me $90 or something. So like really nothing in that one for me. Then it looks like the next logo that we offered, I must've been like, okay, Emily, that was a lot of your time for like basically no revenue for you. So after that, I went up to $250 for a logo and I was um, started getting asked for websites. So I had a pretty modern looking website versus a lot of the other marketing companies in my local area. So just the aesthetic of my um, business did stand out. And so I started having other people say, hey, I love your website. Can you make me a website? So I just thought, Sure, I can do that. So the first website I charged was about $500. Then over time, I realized, okay, that was a lot of hours. So then I can see I charged $1,000 for brand and website for a client. Then that went up to about $1,600. So you can see over time, I was putting the price up. This was all in the first year too. Then um, I charged about $1,600 just for a website. So yeah, so you can see those prices started going up there pretty quickly over that first year based on demand. So I was getting that demand coming in, which is really good. And based on me being like, well, hang on a minute, like I need to be bringing in some more profit here in the business. I can also see that I I, I charge, I remember having someone ask me for a consultation and um, a marketing consultation. I was just like, oh my God, what do I charge for this? So I charged $110 for that. It probably was a couple of hours that we sat together in a coffee shop and I just answered any of her questions. And I think that was kind of my default. And it's funny how we get into default. So again, someone else asked me, can I train one of their staff members in marketing and email marketing? So again, I charge $110 to do that and just went along for an hour or two. Then I started, again, putting the prices up a little bit. We charged $3,300 for a magazine design, so a big brochure project for a company. And um, I think I remember at that stage getting to the point where I'm like, you know what, I, I don't kind of care now if they say yes or no, I'm happy to put the price up. 
And if they say no, that's okay. And if they say yes, that's great. I'm really, really happy with that. Okay, so that was that line item. And then I also brought in, so in September and October of my first year in business, so I started my own business full-time in the Feb, got to the September, October, and I put on my um, first workshops. And they were Instagram marketing workshops. And uh, think from memory, I charged maybe $75 a head for three hours, two or three hours. And they had some worksheets and food and all of this. And so that brought me in $1,125. So in my first year in business, adding all of that up, it came to $97,000, just shy of 100,000. And um, that was obviously before tax comes out, before expenses, and that was inclusive of GST as well. All right, so what did I spend and what did I spend it on? So I mentioned how I started bringing in contractors. So I spent 5,200 on contractors. I tested out some Google ads and Facebook ads without really knowing what I was doing. I spent about 600 on a few different ad things. I spent 1,550 on contracts. So that was with um, a legal company getting a, I was, I got a little bit burnt by a client and I realized, and you know, I take full responsibility because I didn't have a contract in place. Anyway, so I, I was like, right, I need to get some contracts here. I got one designed for or written up for um, me to, to put in place with clients. And then I had another one created for my contractors to put in place with them as well. So to me at the time, it was quite a big expense, but I just thought, you know, this is I'm like, I'm serious about my business, so let's get these in place. And also it can save me a lot of money down the track if I can just get these contracts in place. I spent about $500 with an accountant. I spent about 600-ish, a bit less on um, things for my workshops. So on the printing, on the food, on some gifts that I would buy. So I also spent that one. I spent about 2,700 on internet and phone bills because obviously my... Um, all of my work was using the internet. I then spent 2,121 on subscriptions and software. So for my accounting software, for my website platform, uh, some social media scheduling apps for clients, photo stock library for clients' blogs. And then the big one here was I spent 13,472 on professional development. And the chunk of that was on a 12-month business course that I joined around that mid-year point in 2015. So a few months into starting my business, I then joined a program. Now that was about $1,300 monthly for the program for a year. So it was a big commitment for me. And then that also involved um, me flying up to Sydney every second month to go to a three-day workshop. And so I also spent in that first year, 4,165 on travel. So most of that was the flights and the accommodation in Sydney. So in total, I spent $30,000 in my first year in business. So it gives about 70 or so profit. Also on the professional development side of things, go back two episodes on my podcast and listen to exactly how much I've spent on professional development. And I break down um, a lot more about that too. So what struggles did I have and how did my income fluctuate? Oh gosh, income fluctuated a lot. And you can see, or hopefully I've explained how I got some of those big contracts and how then I was having like a bit of money dripping in as well. So struggles that I had, a big one was I had my confidence blown quite big. I guess I, I came out the gate pretty confident, definitely knowing that I didn't know much at all, but at the same time, believing in myself. 
And I believed that I could really deliver some great results for clients. And I knew that I'd done that already through some of the client work that I'd done and also through getting some great success in the job that I'd had through our social media there and just, you know, getting great engagement on the social media, great open rates of the emails, all that type of thing. But I did get a big blow to my confidence. And that was with um, a few clients that really gave me some pretty, yeah, not so nice feedback. And it really threw me. It kind of really knocked me down. And it happened a few times, probably a few times in a row. And I think as well, I was quite vulnerable. I would say being this young, I, I was about 26 at the time, obviously very naive, didn't have client contracts in place. And I probably did get taken for a ride a little bit and people just tried to get as much out of me as possible, which I have to take responsibility for too. But it did really throw me when I just had some, I guess some not very kind remarks made to me from um, from a few clients that really threw me. And they kind of told me this is no good. This is like terrible. This is really disappointing. And I still believe that that was more them wanting to treat me that way more than the work itself. And so I spiraled into really bad anxiety then, really lost my confidence in my work, stopped showing up on my social media, second-guessed everything that I was doing. And so, yeah, that was a massive struggle for me. And it took me quite a few months to come back out of it because I just was like, well, Emily, maybe you're actually really terrible at marketing. Maybe you do actually suck. Maybe you do have no idea, even though... I'd been doing some really great work for clients up to that point. So that was a massive struggle for me. The confidence thing, definitely. Okay, so another question. I'd love to know um, where you reached out to so people got to know, like, and trust you and how long it took for that to happen. What did you use to promote yourself and did, how did you overcome imposter syndrome, presuming that you had it? Oh gosh, totally had imposter syndrome. I remember when we were doing like the branding work and um, the packaging work, I, we'd never done a um, packaging. I like didn't know anything about packaging, but I just worked with my designer. Um, we kind of figured it out. I just try to educate myself as much as possible. So I went to some workshops. I just like Googled everything. And I guess I was open to my clients as well, open to their feedback too. So I hope that helps out one with the imposter syndrome. Like the thing was, I kind of knew that I didn't know stuff, but people were asking me. So I just thought, you know what, let's like, let's do this and deliver them something really, really great. And I really care about my work and I'm open to taking their feedback too. So you asked like, how do people get to know, like, and trust me? So I was definitely quite active on social media, on my Facebook page, on my Instagram profile, posting on there quite a lot. I was also using LinkedIn a little bit. I had a website, which I created for myself. I had my photo on my website. I had a little bio about myself and I would engage with people on social media. So I would go through the local hashtag for my local area and I would engage with other accounts on there just kind of because I wanted to know what other people were doing, what else was going on. And so I would build relationships through social media and then they kind of transformed to relationships offline. I would go out for coffees with people. So I would ask a few people, hey, would you like to go out for a coffee? And these were often women in business that I just really looked up to and really admired and just thought, oh, I'd love to just sit down with them and have a bit of a chat. So I did that a little bit. I went to networking events. So, and I definitely always felt a bit out of place. So I went to the networking event and they were often um, employees who were from um, real estate agents or legal companies, accounting companies. And I would kind of be the odd one, like 
they were like, oh, so where do you work? And I'm like, oh, like I just work for myself. And I didn't really have many other people that I, um, I guess, felt similar to in my local area. But definitely just going to some of these networking things really helped me get out there a bit too. And I think as well, once you start taking on clients and if you do a good job and you're a good person, that word of mouth can spread too. And those referrals are so powerful. So definitely I got a lot of those referrals too in those early days. So someone asking, how did you push through disappointments, feeling like you're not enough? Did you like doubt yourself? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But I guess I knew as well that this was what I wanted to do. I put out so many quotes that got rejected. I wanted to do so many things that I didn't manage to succeed at, definitely. But I guess I just knew and I could feel like it just felt amazing. And I was so happy. And I just was like, is this real? Like, is this actually I get to wake up the time I want to wake up? I get to completely design my own day. I get to go have a coffee with someone that I find really, really interesting. I get to work on with clients. I really mostly like just love doing that work. And so I guess to me, I realized this is what I'm this is what I want to be doing. And so even though I had disappointments, I guess overall, it just felt so, I just felt so lucky and like, why is not everyone else doing this? So um, yeah, I hope that one helps. Another question that I had was, did you get any unsolicited advice from well-meaning friends and family, but it just wasn't helpful? How did you deal with it? Definitely. And again, I think because I wasn't doing things in the traditional way, I would wear like the clothes I wanted to wear. I didn't like always, and I probably did to start with, but then I was like, oh, screw this but like trying to look like the rest of the business people. I'd like to wear my heels and my like cool clothes or whatever. And also like even when I was running the workshops, I did them differently. So I made friends with um, this beautiful woman, Kate, and she had a local perfume boutique. I asked her, I said, Kate, I want to run some Instagram workshops, but I don't want them to be in like a boardroom or anything. I want them to be in a really cool space. I'm wondering, can I hire your perfume boutique? I'm trying to think of the right word, but kind of like a perfumery. She sold the most amazing perfumes and it was the great interiors. Her husband, Simon, is a carpenter. And so they fitted out really amazingly. And I said to her, can I hire your place to run these workshops? She was, again, someone that I... um just really respected and I guess became a bit of a mentor to me I could go to if I had some questions and she said yes absolutely and she was so generous and she let me run some workshops out of there and um, I would go and get make up these little cute like goodie bags for the attendees and I'd buy like lollies and donuts and I had someone a man say to me Emily like if you want to be taking seriously you shouldn't run your workshops in places like that in cafe because then I also hired some cafe places he was like you should really have them in a boardroom and with a whiteboard and I'm just like oh yeah I don't think so I don't think so so yeah definitely got some advice that um just I wasn't really down with Okay, last couple of questions here. So how did you set your prices? Hopefully I answered that one a bit about how the price changed. I just had no idea really to start with and no one does. So I just guess I just picked a number (laughs) and then I realized that's clearly not enough for me to make money in the business. Let's put that price up and you learn over time as well. And you get to a point if people keep saying yes, that's a really good sign. And you can generally, if you've got the demand, keep putting the price up there too. Someone asked your best investments when income is low starting out. So I always say, and I think it wasn't that first year that I paid for a professional photographer. I could have been that second year, but I asked someone like one of the family members to take some photos of me and me having my photo out there 
really helped to establish that sense of credibility. And so I say to a lot of people, professional photography, whether it's your beautiful products, whether it's some of your work that you've done or like make sure you get some professional photos of yourself. I just think it's so powerful and so important and can really establish your brand in a really, really strong way. So I would say that one. And then I like I just I spent a lot of money on professional development and I still do. But it really gave me a community of people, which I think is so important. And it helped me like have the confidence to put on workshops because I saw them running workshops and people there running workshops. It it just completely opened my mind to new ideas, different people's businesses. And I learned a lot too about marketing and vision and sales. And so definitely professional development was a big one for me. So question, looking back, what would you tell yourself knowing everything you know now? Okay. What would I say? I, I think it would be just to like keep trusting yourself and yeah, I think that's a big one. Trust yourself. Trust like that the ideas you have are legitimate, like they're great, even if not other people are doing them. So trust yourself. I think that's a big one for people starting out because we assume everyone else knows what they're doing. Everyone else knows better. Not necessarily the case. Okay. Final question here. How did you start getting paying clients and gaining their trust? That seems to be the hardest for me is selling my value and what I can solve for them when I don't have testimonials or proof to show. So I've told you a bit about how I started getting clients. Someone rang up the company and was looking for someone. And I'm like, hey, I'm about to quit my job. I think I could do this. So not having testimonials or proof to show, if you're, for instance, a photographer, a designer, create that work and put it out there. Even though before I was offering the branding, I would be posting photos of like amazing brands that I liked. So I would often post kind of like case studies too, like, oh, this brand is amazing. Look at how they're doing their social media. Also, you can always ask for testimonials from people that maybe worked with you in your in your previous job or, you know, you can get creative there with people that know you, know your work, know that you're great if you want to do that. But also doing that work and putting it out there, even if it's not from client work, you can start doing that one too. And I think gaining their trust, if you can kind of have a bit of confidence in yourself and believe that you've got something great to offer, I think that goes a long way. I think that really does. So I hope that was helpful. I hope that was interesting. Um, Feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Emily Osmond if you've got any other questions you'd like me to answer. I hope you enjoy these type of podcast episodes and live videos and I will be back with you soon. So have a wonderful day and I will speak with you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Emily Osmond Show, brought to you by my Instagram freebies, which you'll find at emilyosmond.com forward slash free. So please take a few seconds to leave me a review, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode, and be sure to take a screenshot of this podcast, upload it to your social media, and tag me at Emily Osmond so I can give you a shout out too. Until next time, remember connection over perfection. You've got this and we'll speak soon.